0: Welcome to the Eyes of Autism podcast. Today we are interviewing Tom Island, a nationally recognized speaker, writer, and autism self-advocate. Which superhero is Danny going to compare him to? Hmm, stay tuned and find out. To the the podcast scene are you you've
1: been I, on
2: I, quite a few now
1: i have been on quite a few and i'm used to the format and it is just like having a conversation just pretend we're face to face and you'll, you'll be good
0: yeah and mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to when we are going to be able to be face to face one of these <laughs> years <laughs> i know when everything's one of these back days, to normal yeah. and especially if um so tom was saying before we started recording and i'm just saying this in for the podcast listeners, that um, in California things are finally starting to pick up a little bit. Maybe start going back to some sort of normal, and let's let's hope so, so that the next time we talk, we can actually be face to face. Yeah, and and you've been on so many different tours, um, so we'll we'll catch you when you swing back through Toledo, or we'll try to find you somewhere.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, Tom, thank you so much for agreeing to meet with us today. We're so excited about this. Uh, So the first time that we were introduced to Tom Island was when we were at OcaliCon in Columbus. And Tom spoke at this amazing convention that Danny and I attended. Right. And we actually met Tom through... Kelly Elton, who we are also going to be interviewing on this podcast in, in a week. Um, so we're really grateful to have been able to meet you then so that we can also talk to you now because you have so much insight, so many different experiences, and we're so excited to learn more about how you came across those experiences. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, but Tom, so where are you now? What are you, So what are you doing now? You're in California and
1: How old are you? Yes, so I'm, I'm 37 years old, and I'm in Santa Clarita, California, near Six Flags Magic Mountain, just north of Los Angeles.
2: Nice. And Do you go there a awesome. lot?
1: That's awesome. <laughs> not, not as much as I used to, and particularly with the closure, and a lot of the oh,
2: yeah, probably. Lot of
1: rides they're making are just makeovers of current rides, like a new paint job to a track, or an opening of some kind of simulator or something, and I like the fast roller coasters the most.
2: Do you really? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, wow. I, I can't do roller coasters. Yeah. I get sick. No, <laughs> I try, I try, but you're not one of those ride warriors. No, I wish I've tried it, but I can't. The <laughs> stomach won't handle it. <laughs> so, what about you, Dan? Ride warrior over here.
4: I'm not a huge roller coaster guy either. Actually,
0: <laughs> no. Yeah. Wow, Tom, one of yep. the one of the four. <laughs> Yeah, I think we should start with probably come to life coaching and and learning a bit about how that started. Yeah. So so
2: our first like big question for you would be like, how did you come up with the idea for come to life coaching? (sighs) And what is it for? Yeah. And what is it?
1: Certainly. So I went to school to become an accountant and I eventually did get my certified public accountant license after graduating from college. and. That was where I wanted to set my future. But a couple of years into the job, I realized just how unhappy I was and how miserable it was for me to sit at a desk and crunch numbers all day. And uh, at the same time, I'm hearing more and more stories of my peers crashing and burning because they did not know themselves, they did not love themselves, and they were not being themselves. So uh, about five years ago, I put in my two weeks at my last accounting job because I was determined to tell my story and share my secrets to success. And I put those secrets to success in my book, Come to Life, Your Guide to Self-Discovery. And the purpose of this book is to reach young people on and off the autism spectrum to help them see that life isn't going to come to you. It's up to you to come to life. You have to go out there and make things happen for yourself, pick up from failure, learn from what you've done and create your own happiness so you can live the life that you want. And I decided to start come to life coaching based on the teachings in this book and to help people on a more personal level.
0: I love that. And you know, that actually sparks a memory Our so our dad was um, in, he was crunching numbers. He was uh, in banking and he read a book that totally changed his perspective. And he put in his notice and and then dropped everything and went to a completely new job in baseball. And so on a completely different, complete different side of things. And I just love that you wrote a book that somebody is going to read and do that with like that and Danny you actually uh, so Danny and Sarah started that that book a little I was going to say when ago, I yeah. first started
2: so I met with Danny I don't know if you listened to our first podcast I kind of talked about it I met with Danny um this summer and to work with him on stuff and we actually brought along your book so we were looking at you know your book and working on pages from your book so mm-hmm. it was really cool yeah, we well, go to like so... the park and Just kind of work on those pages and, you know, things that Danny struggled with that needed help with Mm -hmm. more help. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love your book. Well, thank
1: you very much.
2: Yeah, I Mm -hmm. love it.
4: How old were you when you got your first job?
1: (laughs) I was about 17 years old. I, I was a senior in high school and I went through a workability program. It's designed to help young people with disabilities find employment. And my first job was in a Hollywood video store. If you remember brick and mortar stores like Blockbuster and such. Yeah. Yeah, I remember them. I remember them. That's awesome. We used to go to
0: those all the time.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So I, I worked in that job a couple of weeks and I was mostly reshelving videos. And my mother comes into the store one day and asks my manager, are you going to teach him anything else besides reshelving videos? And the manager responded, oh, we figure workability students can just reshelve videos. Mm-hmm. So from the get-go, my potential was being underestimated and possibilities for my growth were being overlooked. And wow. Hollywood Video has since gone out of business as well as the brick-and-mortar store model for at least movies and such. So
3: Introducing it was, but it also showed me
1: yeah. the responsibility and that I'm capable and worth more than doing video reshelving.
0: Yeah, and I I love that you just said that because I think that's one of the things that a lot of employers um, of people with autism think that their employees with autism can only do very simple things, and that is not the case. And and I, so I, I like that your mom came in and, and asked that and knew to ask that because I don't think I would have known yeah, to ask that question. Yeah, I wouldn't question. have known to ask that
2: question either.
0: No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so did that experience fuel kind of what you're doing now with come-to-life coaching?
1: It's discussed in come-to-life coaching mm-hmm. and the book as well, given that a lot of people, uh, ha- A, have no idea what they want to do for work, or B, get involved in a line of work that really isn't for them or not really realizing their full and true potential. And like you were talking about, there's so many People on the autism spectrum that have specialized skills or experts in certain fields, mm-hmm. but because of the social communication difficulties yeah. they experience, they could get stuck stocking boxes at a Walmart or something. I know a young man with an engineering degree who got stuck stock- shipping boxes at a Walmart because of his mm-hmm. diagnosis. And wow. the purpose of Come to Life Coaching is to help people see what's available to them. We call it in the book, Explore. Experience and evolve. We need more people on mm, the spectrum to hard get, hard their, hard. get their feet wet, find out what options are available to them, immerse themselves in those environments where they want to be or mm-hmm. might be where they want to end up and discover what's working and what's not and why, and then evolve, make better decisions, pursuing more of what's in line with what they want to do and what makes them happy, and mm-hmm. hopefully avoid what doesn't make them happy and what they don't want to do.
0: Yeah. And I i don't know about you, but I talk to so many people both on and off the spectrum, as you mentioned earlier, who just don't love what they're doing. And, mm-hmm. and so I love that the idea behind this book where you need to find what you love because right. it's what you're going to be doing right. every day. <laughs> yep. So why would you go into something that you don't love? Um, and so that leads into my next question, which is, I think so when we because we when we talked a little bit before today, obviously, you had mentioned that you are also coaching individuals with autism. Is that correct? Did I understand that
2: correctly?
1: You did. And I have several clients on the spectrum with a wide (laughs) variety of uh, needs and situations. I have uh, one client uh, who wants to tell his story and write speeches. So I'm Hmm. teaching him how to craft speeches, tell stories and convey those to an audience. I know another young man also with engineering degrees uh, currently working as a Starbucks barista who wants to start his own computer coding company. So wow. I that. and I have another uh, young man who uh, lives with his grandfather wants to uh, move on to the next step of his life and, and maybe even um, change genders oh so, wow these are just a, a wide variety easy, a wide range of some yes of that i deal with and i'm not going to say their names of confidentiality right. Good. yes you know, that's an example of some of the mm-hmm. these situations some of the struggles and the uh real life conflicts if you will right. that people on the autism spectrum are going through on a daily basis
0: now do you when you connect with these individuals how do you connect with them? Do you share parts of your story and then they they share parts of theirs? How does how do how do you make those connections? Like, yeah, come together mm-hmm.
1: Well, I am a certified human potential coach, and I was taught mm-hmm. to ask a lot of questions about the person and help them see that they have the power. They have the answers, but by asking the right questions, asking better questions, you get better answers. And every now and then I will offer my own two cents like i can relate to that because i experienced such and such or i felt that way when i had this happen in my life so every now and then i'll bring up something that happened to me and help relate on that level and i think that's where i really connect most because i think people on the spectrum need to need to hear from someone who's also on the spectrum who has experienced difficulties or had struggles but still kept their head held high and fought through all that adversity To help them see, well, I can fight this adversity, too.
2: Yeah, and I can become successful and get to where I want to be.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. I love that. And that was one of the things that really stood out to me
0: about your story. So when we heard you at OcaliCon, you had talked about that a bit from at the beginning of your life when you kind of started realizing that, like, the different kinds of friendships that you were making. Would you mind speaking to that? A little bit so,
1: a little bit about uh, friendships that I've made over the mm-hmm. years and, uh, granted that with social communication difficulties it was difficult for me to make mm-hmm. friends and because I wanted to talk about Star Wars all day I could talk about Star <laughs> Wars all day, but, but not everyone can do that or wants to do that yeah. so it wasn't until, <laughs> and it wasn't until I read the book uh, by Dale Carnegie how to win friends and influence people how to mm-hmm. Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Th- did I realize that I need to start asking more questions about other people? I need to take a genuine interest in what other people have to say and listen to what they're telling me. So after I read that book and I've read that. it. That. Yeah. <laughs> <he was connecting laughs> put a thumbs yes. up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I've read yeah. several other books uh, since then. I, like I, I have a, one on my shelves here, the Everything Dating Book. So like what to say Mm -hmm. and what not to say to women, like on a first date, for example. Mm -hmm. So I found uh, by reading and learning from what other people have to say in those books, I found that I can relate to others. I can have successful conversations with people and make a a name for myself and find people that love me for me.
0: Yeah. And I, if you don't mind, that actually sparks a question that, I have. Uh, So you, you had talked about, you said you read a book about dating. And so did you, while reading that and just from experiences, have you noticed that like your male and female friends, there's a difference in how it's best to communicate with them? I think that that's something when I have spoken with individuals with autism, it's kind of hard to to differentiate the the conversations or understand those those social norms between male and female is that something that that you kind of learned from experience or learned from the book that you read?
1: Uh, I learned it, I learned it firsthand when I read Doctor John, John Gray's "Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus."
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm it, not familiar with yeah, the book, but I like the title. Yeah, I feel yeah, like I heard,
1: men are from Mars, women are from Venus. The yeah. idea. Of Both genders coming from their own backgrounds, if you will, planets in the case of the book. But how they communicate, how they see the world, how they go about their daily lives are different. Like men want to be the fixers. They want to find solutions. They want to solve problems. Whereas women want to be listened to. They want to be understood. They want to have someone to care and nurture for them. So I'm keeping that in mind as I go forward in my relationships. And it was actually the end of a four-year relationship with a woman on the autism spectrum. But when I was about 30 years old, that encouraged me to read this book and take a more persistent interest in understanding how women think.
0: (laughs) Wow. And I I love that when, so it sounds like when you have identified, hmm, there's something that I need to learn or something that I need to understand you pick up a book and you get going on it and you learn about it. And I just think that is so yeah, admirable. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, awesome. that, yeah, really awesome. it is. And, and I would love just to have a list of every book that you recommend because I have some learning <laughs> to do for <laughs> yeah. sure. So I need to read that book and honestly, all of the ones that you've mentioned so far.
4: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, some of the things that you've you've mentioned have, um, or that you've already talked about. I had some questions written down because I, I was like, okay, I have so many things that I could ask him, but I need to narrow it down. I need to just see what what yeah. how, how it comes up in conversation. And it's so one of my questions was, who or what guides you on understanding social norms, and maybe not just you, but also your clients and the people that you coach. So what guides you? It sounds like novels and nonfiction are a big help. Would that be correct? Or are there also people in your life that help as well?
1: Uh, I look at a lot of, uh, yeah, like you said, personal personal development, self-help books like uh, Tony Robbins, uh, Jack Canfield, uh, Mm -hmm. Les Brown. He's a famous public speaker. So I look Mm -hmm. at a lot of what they've written and how they conduct themselves and what lessons they're teaching. And I take that information in and use it accordingly. So I would say the trends for me have to do with what these thought leaders are putting out there, how they become successful. And I actually have on my um, path plan here, it's a big mm-hmm. piece of paper that it shows me what I want to do with my life, how I envision myself. I actually saw mm-hmm. myself kind of across a cross between Temple Grandin and Tony Robbins, <laughs> like, I'd be, I'd be the person on stage in front of thousands of people talking about autism, my life, helping mm-hmm. them be influenced. So that's kind of where I take my uh, or get my information where I take it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do a lot of research and then you kind of like relate to the research that you read up upon and mm-hmm. then kind of go from there. That's cool. Yeah, and I think that so, Dan, you kind of do something
0: similar when it comes to superheroes and you do a lot of research on on different movies and things that are coming out. But then what's cool is that you take it a step further and you can relate it to some social scenarios that you face.
4: Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. uh,
0: And so I always appreciate that taking something that you really enjoy doing and then learning from it and expanding on it and applying it to real life. And Yeah. yeah, and I think that that is something that more people need to put into practice.
1: I can can definitely relate given that when I first got diagnosed and I was coming Mm -hmm. to terms with that new information, I thought about a hero in my life at the time who was Batman. And he's he's the kind of guy that would use his mind to solve problems. He would face the darkness. He would go out and fight the crime and also come to term with his own demons in a sense. So I also, in addition to those, self-help gurus. I've looked at the example of superheroes like Batman to see how oh. they can help themselves. Or once upon a time when I was into Star Wars, really into Star Wars, I'd ask what would Yoda do here? What would Obi-Wan do here? What would Luke Skywalker do here? And that's how I thought uh, about
4: it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Dan's got a lot of, um, I think all of the Star Wars on, on Blu-ray, right? Part of your collection.
4: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah. We're Star Wars fans. That's the superheroes, of course, but
4: yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a superhero guy, actually, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> well,
2: yeah. my mom can would say Star Wars. I think. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know. Her the First question Dan asked me when I met him was about superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: I'm learning more and more, and more about superheroes now. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of Dan. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: Ultimately, <laughs> and when all said and done, and, and spoiler alert for those that haven't read the book, the final exercise and Come to Life is how you can be the hero in your own life. Mm-hmm. Because we all have heroes that we look up to, people we idolize or want to be like we follow the example of. Ultimately, we are on our own journey. We are the person that can be the change and must create the change we want to see. In our lives, so you be the hero in your own life and see where your journey takes you.
0: Yes. And I just sometimes I, I talk to some of um, friends or family or just acquaintances, even students, sometimes where they feel that it needs to come to them. Whatever the opportunity is, it's just going to show up one day and then they're going to go for it. But I like how you said, no, you have to be the change. You yeah, have you to, have be to the, work for it. Yes. Then.
1: I do and, and that is, and young people are like, Well, I have to actually work to make my yeah.
2: goals reality. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> no, <what? laughs> not, not us. <laughs> yeah, I think when um Dan and I started working in that book, the first page or first couple of pages was about superheroes and mm-hmm. what superhero do you relate to best and why. Yep. And
1: who's, who's my superhero? Yep, that's a yeah. big Dan,
2: exercise I- in the book. And I think mm-hmm. Danny actually said Batman are su- super. Yes. Superman. He's a Superman.
4: Because he's, because I I, I, I I use him. For, I use him for example. I use him. For, I use him as a lot of as a great example. Like for example, like he wants. He's even though he knows he's an alien, he wants to have a normal life. Like, he wants. He wants to get a job that he likes. He wants to meet a girl that he likes. He wants to meet like. He wants to have a normal life, pretty much. And not an because they're like an alien stereotype, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And what's interesting is that Superman was written at the time where uh, immigration and people coming to this country it was kind of feared or frowned upon. Exactly. So, so for Superman to come here, blend in with the human race, while also maintaining his uniqueness, his Krypton, Krypton heritage, that made him extraordinary and help him bring out the best in others. Exactly,
4: exactly.
0: Oh. And Dan, I hadn't heard that answer before. And yeah. that, that's it, it's very insightful. Yeah, and, it is. And you are very, you are always very insightful and you wow me. And I am just pretty blown away. I think that's having a wow yeah. moment. I'm having a wow <laughs> moment, you know, and just, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that that the symbolism there because sometimes I found growing up whenever you would have like an English assignment or uh, there was an assignment in college that you had to look into symbolism and the symbolism part was really hard to understand. So I remember sitting with you and talking with you about symbolism and, and the fact that you just, you just did that. Danny just shows how people grow. Exactly. And learn.
1: Exactly.
4: And,
0: so awesome,
2: Dan. Yeah. Good job. Dan. All right.
0: So yeah, oh, the
1: S perfect. symbol means hope on
4: Krypton.
2: Oh, see, I didn't know that.
4: No, yeah. No, no, Sorry. no, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. It, 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 it says says in the movies too, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: So you said that making friends, I'm going to go back to this one, around when you were diagnosed was pretty difficult. And if you don't mind me asking, what age, at what age were you when you were diagnosed with autism?
1: Officially, I was diagnosed at 13 years old. Though the signs were there from a much younger age, like when when I was about four. I lived in Illinois, and my aunt, my mother's sister, was the autism specialist for the state of Illinois, and took me for an and took me for an informal screening without my mother's knowledge because my mother didn't want to face the fact at the time that her son could be different. I was her firstborn, so I Mm -hmm. so my aunt disguised the uh, screening as a play date. And I'm playing games, solving puzzles, and thinking, okay, I'm having fun with my aunt. And little did I know that I was being screened for autism. I didn't fit the criteria at the time when I was four, but when the diagnostic criteria changed in the early to mid '90s, did I fit the criteria for an autism diagnosis? And
0: and Dan, that's around when you were diagnosed.
1: Yeah, Yeah. pretty much,
0: or the late '90s, late '90s. No, 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 the late '90s. Mm -hmm. Late '90s. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And what and what uh, prompted my parents to tell me about it was my younger brother and sister were getting calls from their friends looking to hang out after school or on the weekends. And I asked my mom one day, "Mom, why doesn't the phone ever ring for me?" Mm-hmm. And she had to think on her toes pretty quick and say that I was still learning how to make friends. She could have said, You don't have any friends, or You don't know how to make friends, but she said to Aww. me, you're, you're still learning how to make friends.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's what prompted my parents to tell me.
0: Yeah. And, and speaking of friendships, so over the years, um, when you've made friendships, how do you know when a friendship has changed from close to distant and in those situations, do you still consider yourself friends with them? Because I feel like friendships and relationships in general, when I'm speaking with individuals, especially adults with autism, that's one of the hardest things is the is the
2: growth apart and also sometimes just yeah. coming closer together. I like so- the change of how the relationships are going. Right.
1: Right. So when I was younger, I thought when I made a friend that I would be that person's friend forever, like until one of us died or something, but through a series of situations through both my own experiences and hearing from others, did I find out that sometimes people rather than grow together, they grow apart Mm -hmm. and some signs of that happening, or maybe someone loses interest is maybe if you send them a call or a text that they don't answer you. For one thing, when I was younger, I liked a girl in particular, so I called her and left her a message, hoping she'd get back to me, wanna hang out or something. When I didn't hear back from her, I thought maybe she didn't get the message. So I called her again just to make sure she got it and didn't hear back from her. And I have that Batman persistence. I'm thinking if I do it, call her enough, she'll say yes or get back to me. So I call her again, leave Mm -hmm. another message. And she didn't get back to me, but she told my sister, if your brother doesn't stop calling, I'm going to the police.
0: Oh, my.
1: Sometimes people don't tell you to your face, stop, go away. They'll ignore you. They'll tell someone else. They may even involve the authorities. And unfortunately, a lot of people on the autism spectrum have had the police call them, on them because they're not taking
0: a hint. And it's really well-intentioned. It's not like there was any malicious intent involved. It was... It was just misunderstanding. And it's that's what I think that, that always frustrates me with misunderstanding people with autism where, yeah, who have go very like good extreme. intentions, yeah. but just don't always know how to act on them right. uh, appropriately. And so what did you learn from that situation? Well,
1: for one thing, and, and in hindsight, understanding we live in a see something, say something society, And when people feel threatened or afraid rather than attempt to reason with the person or find out why they're doing what they're doing, they're just going to say, I'm going to let the police handle this. So I find that if we can find out what's going on beneath the surface, really find out why this person is doing what they're doing and even explaining it in terms that they'll understand. So when my sister told my mother I was making all these calls, my mother explained to me that a relationship and a friendship for that matter it's like a tennis game. So I serve you the ball. That's like making a call. And the ball has to hit, be hit back to me because I was serving and serving and serving, calling and calling and calling that one girl. And no ball was he being hit back to me. So the rule that was set, at least in my household, was I get two calls or two serves. And if the ball's not hit back, I have to find another girl to play with.
2: Mm. yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) and i and i yield to that rule to this day so if i text a woman twice and she doesn't get back to me i leave her alone and if enough time goes by i'm gonna like i'm moving on leaving her behind because as i've evolved i've found that not everybody is meant to be in your life and as we grow apart as we have more experiences learn more about ourselves and sometimes the company that we keep we find that it's imperative that we distance ourselves from people who hold us back or make us feel like crap, and start yeah. finding people that will make us feel good and celebrate us for who we are.
0: Good golly, I appreciate that perspective. That's like,
2: oh, that was great. That yeah. tennis court mm-hmm. analogy. I'm yes, bad. I like that. That again, symbolism. Yeah, right.
3: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. and it. Mm, I just. I really am grateful that for, for what you just shared, uh, because I think we've experienced in, in our lives and also in some of our, um, in the autism community in in our area, just situations like that where people don't know how to communicate. And I want to just reiterate the fact that sometimes what, what's frustrating is when there is a, an issue or a problem, um, and nobody says anything about it. Just that, just ignoring it isn't going to make it stop happening, especially yeah. if it involves someone with autism and they may right. not understand what that silence means. Mm-hmm. And so talking about yeah. it is so important and not just being like, oh, it'll it'll fix itself. It right. won't fix itself in the, in the minds thinks. of someone with yeah. autism. It yeah. needs to be discussed. And if it's not, it's going to keep happening because that is a that is an envelope. That is a letter that has not been closed. And if it's not closed, it's going to keep going. It's going to be Mm -hmm. getting written. And so I just appreciate that, that Testament because it's, it's almost just, I don't know if comforting is the right word because it's also like heartbreaking that people have to go through this, but it's, it's good to know that we're not alone in this, that people are not alone in that and that we can be together and understanding and learning from each other. And, and Tom, that is definitely what we have been doing whenever we talk to you is we, we've learned a lot from you and really appreciate your perspective mm-hmm. on things.
1: You're very welcome. And, and you're right. Ignoring the problem, sweeping under the rug is not going to make it go away. And we need people to help fill in the blanks and connect the dots for people on the spectrum, because if they lack the experience or aren't, putting two and two together in a sense, they're going to keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And that's why we need to see not only what they're good at, but where they can improve upon both sides of the equation have to be addressed. If people on the spectrum are going to become their best selves rather than just focusing on one or the other.
0: And taking it to the extreme and just jumping Mm -hmm. to calling the police instead of notifying someone first, where is the learning in that? And Right. Got to We need to have more conversations and lessons around those. Yeah. Like you said, topics. getting
2: beneath the surface. Right.
1: And a lot of times, and my mother and I have found this over the years, sometimes talking isn't teaching and you can't tell mm-hmm. a person don't call a woman three or four times if she's not answering. Don't go to a woman's door without telling her you're coming. Talking about it isn't going to say it. you have to put, put yourself in their shoes or ask them, how did you feel when mm-hmm. something happened to you? Because if they have context, if they can go back to how they felt about something that actually happened to them, then they can apply that situation or those feelings to what's happening now.
0: Mm-hmm. And maybe Application. Have a, you know, right. Application and practice mm-hmm. is key. And and I believe that is something that, that your mom did in her videos, right? With um, which, And we don't need to get into that now because I would like to talk to her on a podcast someday as well. Um, but with her... Uh, be safe training, mm-hmm. right? would be safe the movie and that kind of put into into practice and application of individuals with autism and the police. like that communication. is that correct?
1: It, that is correct. And we're finding mm-hmm. that people on the spectrum memorize and retain what they see in movies. So mm-hmm. when we put on a scene of how someone should behave in a police encounter, Be Safe the movie is about how to interact with the police. When you show everyone being calm, cool, collected, following instructions, that's what's going to be retained. And that has saved lives. My mother and I have gotten several testimonials from around the country of their young of a young person being mistaken for a criminal, for example. Mm-hmm. And because they'd watched Be Safe, they did what the officer said. They stayed calm. They asked for mm-hmm. – an attorney or did what they had to do to get through that situation versus being resistant versus running away, mm-hmm. having a meltdown. All those situations right. act that we want gone from young people's mm-hmm. heads. So we find that when we show calm, cool, collected videos of what to do, that's going to be retained versus being say, "Don't run from the police, don't fight the police." That's not going to work. We right, movies, videos, ways that young people can relate.
0: And I think that right. yeah, that is important right. because. A meltdown can be misinterpreted to someone who does not understand that it is a a meltdown, um, and so that's and it, that's just a very intriguing perspective and a way to teach individuals with autism. And I think that people listening can really learn from that and learn to look for videos of yeah. or even creating like like you did creating your own video. Yeah, creating you know, your te- own. And I and, and, and,
4: yeah. and like to go off on that. Like, there's, there's, uh-huh. there's been a, there's, if, if you heard, it's not just people with disabilities, it's people with all, all sorts of gender and color. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that has been very in the news
4: yeah yeah like 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 like, um like like for example like the blm movement like that happened like Mm -hmm. this year back that that impacted me because what if that happened to a person with disabilities or something like that what if that Mm -hmm. would happen Mm -hmm. to a person with um with a person who 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 is not who who is not just like who's who's like latino or Mm -hmm. asian think about the possibilities
0: and yes. So learning, learning from application and experience and, and videos is good. And there yeah. are. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that all all officers are bad.
4: Right? No. Yeah. Because, no, yeah, yeah I know, I know. Right.
0: And, and Tom, I think you even mentioned when we talked was um, understanding that it's both sides, both um, the police and the individual with autism need to know how to communicate. Um,
1: yes, that was going to be my next point is that just training the police is not enough anymore. The officers can't be expected to know everything and we have to do our part to show the young people what to do to interact with the police so both parties have a responsibility to be educated and better understand one another because each party has their own set of expectations and those expectations aren't going to be known if we don't talk about them and my mother and i have reached out to african-american latino and native american communities about how the police interact with those particular populations and how both parties can be educated there.
0: And so I, we're running short on time, and I wanted to yeah. ask you a couple more questions. One yeah. about speaking to the United Nations. I mean, when yeah, we that was awesome. yeah, so that was what awesome. what brought you to the United Nations boardroom? <laughs> what do you what do you even call that room? I mean, what what steps led you there? That is. And and what did you talk about? Sorry, I'm, I'm asking so many questions. No, okay. I'm there.
1: Okay. So I, I connected with uh, the head of an organization called autism knows, no borders. It's based in New York. And she, uh, the head was going to be in California. And so I chatted with her and said, you want to have coffee? You want to meet? And she said, yes. So we met in Venice near the beach and shortly thereafter, she had mentioned that she's connected to the United Nations and they were going to have World Autism Awareness Day. So back when I went in 2019, it was for World Autism Awareness Day. And and nowadays it's becoming more known as World Autism Acceptance Day. So at least for the time that I was there, I was talking about Be Safe the Movie and how video modeling helps people on the autism spectrum, at least when it comes to interacting with the police. So I went and spoke on a panel about That And then the same year, December 3rd, 2019, I went back, I got, apparently they must have liked my speech, or what I had to say in April, because in December of 2019, I went back for the International Day of Persons with Disabilities, and spoke about employment amongst people on the autism spectrum, or lack thereof, because the United Nations has sustainable development goals that they want to meet by the year 2030. And that includes opportunities and access to education and employment and people on the autism spectrum need more access and opportunities for education and employment. So I spoke about that. So twice in one year at the United nations.
2: Wow. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it definitely relates awesome. to being a superhero. I mean, speaking <laughs> to large audiences and speaking of which Danny um, we were talking about, Hmm. Okay. What superhero would Tom Island be the most <laughs> like? And Dan, would you like to share with yeah. Tom what we what you decided and why?
4: Probably Batman.
0: Yeah. You would be Batman? Right. Yeah. Which is funny because that's even <laughs> who you said is one of your favorites.
1: It is. I'm a couple I'm a couple billion dollars short, but otherwise
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <It's> Batman.
2: <laughs> These are the reasons why Danny thinks you yeah. would be Batman. <laughs>
4: um they both own organizations they are both highly intelligent they like to do what's right they like to
1: get shit stuff done,
3: <laughs> <laughs> shit, stuff yeah. done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think that is <laughs> an accurate comparison right there yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well tom we really appreciate you batman being on the show with <laughs> us and sharing bits of your story yeah, and your, for knowledge. your insight. yes and is there anything that you would like our listeners to know, ways that they can learn more about you or come to life teaching or come to life coaching? What what would you like our audience to hear? How can they find out more?
1: Yes, you can visit my website. It's come to coaching.com and I'm available for coaching sessions, consultations, keynote speeches, and you can order my book there as well. And I'm on all the Major social media platforms under the name Thomas Island, and Island has no S in it. It's like, like Rhode Island, but no S. Hmm.
2: Yes, and I vouch for the book. I've glanced yeah. at it. It's great. So go get his <laughs> book, everyone. Yeah, yeah. well,
0: mm-hmm. Tom.
4: Thank,
1: thank you, Tom.
0: Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. And, and I look forward to when you come back through Toledo. I know the last trip had to be uh, canceled due to the virus or the pandemic, but mm-hmm. we are. We would like to take you out to dinner next time you're here.
1: That would be wonderful. I'd love to join you for dinner. Yeah. That would be awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. Fist, bumps. Fist bumps through the camera. Yep.
4: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, man. Okay. You too.
0: Podcast today. To hear more and learn more about us, go to our hub at eyesofautism.com where you can find all sorts of wild information, or you can follow us on Instagram at Eyes of Autism Podcast or on Facebook with Eyes of Autism. Tune in next week when we speak with Kelly Elton, who has a graduate certificate in autism spectrum disorders and a master's in special education from Bowling Green State University. She's played a key role in implementing inclusive environments for people with disabilities. Her work history with adults and adolescents with disabilities is so extensive and in Danny's words, awesome. So tune in next week. You are also going to be introduced to the one and only Annette Napoli. Dun, dun, dun! Our amazing mother and our superhero.
1: of Autism podcast is produced by the Eyes of Autism team, Marissa, Danny, Sarah, and Kyle. Our theme music is Metropolis Daybreak, written and performed by Cody Martin. Find out more at eyesofautism.com.